We started a series last week, I don't know if you remember, called Life Together. And we talked about where we got the idea from. There was a German theologian in Nazi times, his name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he basically was dealing with Nazism permeating the whole German culture, like every last piece of it, including the church. And so he wrote a book, he wrote several books, one of them being Life Together. And in this specific book, he spoke to this idea, because many of us take church for granted. We think it's a given. We think it's like something that's going to happen. But when you look at history, when you look at the challenges of life, let me, let me give you, for instance, a quote that he shared, that he shared, this really resonated with my life because sometimes we, we just take it, oh, we're going to meet on a Sunday, no problem, no biggie. We just went through a pandemic where it was hard to do that, wasn't it? And many of us have strayed away and many have stayed away, which is not what God has called us to do. But he, he, he wrote this quote here, and it's incredible. It says, so between the death of Christ and the last day, it is only by a gracious anticipation of the last things that Christians are privileged, privileged to live in visible fellowship with other Christians. It is by the grace of God that a congregation is permitted to gather visibly. We're able to get together visibly. Some countries we know that's not a possibility, right? In this world to share God's word and sacrament. Not all Christians receive this blessing. The imprisoned, the sick, the scattered lonely, the proclaimers of the gospel in heathen lands stand alone. And so I want to encourage you today, church. Your meeting is Berwin and Cicero because of interesting circumstances. Well, what a blessing to gather together. What a blessing you have here today to worship God, to lift your hands in praise. Because many don't have that experience. Many are not able to go through. There's many that I know are at home right now wishing they could be here, but they can't be here because of health issues. So let's never take the church for granted, amen? Let's worship and let's, let's get excited about the, the fact that we get to gather together. And I know many for you, it's like, oh, I don't really want to be here today. Hey, I've been there. But just know it's a privilege and it could be taken away just like this. Amen? So that being said... Let's get into today's message. You're like, wait, that wasn't the message already? I thought we were kind of going to wrap this thing up now. So we're in the, our second, uh, second part two of life together. But what's the status people tend to tell you when you ask them how they're doing? What's, what are some, some, some statuses people will tell you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm doing all right, you know. I'm good. But the one that people, I hear people tending to say it, is that they're busy, right? They're busy. And that's the funny thing about the busy status. There's some kind of like badge that comes with that, right? I'm busy. I'm like kind of, you know, we kind of like compare to the next person, hey, how busy are you? Probably not as busy as me because I'm really busy. You just don't get it. And you're walking around and you're just talking to people, hey, how's it going? Busy. Hey, how you doing? I'm busy. Got to go. Sorry. Got to get on to the next thing. 
Here's the thing. Well, that's great. What we see in Scripture and what we see about the need for us is what this message today is titled. The day alone and the day together. We need alone time. We need time together. And that being said, we need to be able to spend time with the Lord. Amen? Have you guys heard of this? I don't know. Have you heard this TikTok trend going on called bed rotting? Anybody heard of this? Nobody? Wow, I'm surprised. <laughs> any Gen Zs here? Any, any Gen Zs among here? Can you wave at me? Are you guys not Gen Zs? No Gen Zs here at all? You've heard of this bed rotting? No? Yes? No? No? Yeah? Okay. What's well, a TikTok trend? Maybe that's why, maybe that's a good thing you're not on TikTok, right? Well, the name in itself gives this ugly description, right? It feels like bed rotting. What is that? Like rotting. That sounds so horrible. It sounds like, ugh, like we don't want to have anything to do with bed rotting. Well, let me, let me cut. So for those of you who don't know it, because it seems like there's the majority of you don't, I'll give you a little bit of a definition. Health.com defines bed rotting, thank you, my brother, as a new trend sweeping TikTok. It involves staying in bed for extended periods of time, not to sleep, but to do passive activities. This trend is most popular, as I mentioned, among generations D, who may have feel burnt out from work, school, family demands, or social engagements. Does that sound a little familiar for some of you? Maybe some of you... Uh, some of your uh, younger family members. And I get it right away, right away. Our baby boomers, our Gen Xers, even some millennials are probably like waving the finger at these Gen Zs. Oh, no, you shouldn't be doing that. Telling them they shouldn't stay in bed for any other reason but to sleep. You shouldn't be in bed but to sleep, and that's it. But hold, hold on just a second, okay? Let's refrain from judgment. Let, let's just slow down just a bit. Just a tiny bit here for a moment. As with anything, balance is good, right? A balance is good. Because so many of us, we're living in the status of busy. Busy, busy, busy. Have no time for anything but the next thing. And what's the next thing? And then what's the next thing? And what's the thing after that? No time filled with the most important person or supposedly the most important person or being in our lives. And no, no, of course, you know, I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking about your friend or even yourself. I'm speaking about the Lord. And so, yeah, bed rotting if unchecked could be a bad thing, right? But some of us need to slow down. And need to get in our bed and reflect on God. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture in Psalm 63.6 that David uses, I'll, I'll kind of put it in quotes, bed rotting, to his benefit. He says, on my bed I remember you. So he's like, it's important for us to take the time to spend time with the Lord. Now, I'm not saying don't be in your bed all day or for the next several days avoid life. So many of you may take it to that, to that extreme and say, oh, I'm just going to shut the whole world out. Not meet with anybody. Or take that time to scroll on your phone and binge watch the next season of Netflix. That's not what I'm talking about here. 
No, not at all. What I'm saying is get alone with the Lord. Get alone with God. And if it's in your bed, instead of being busy with social media, it's like, oh, I got to take the next status. Oh, wait. Oh, what's, who, what, what's this girl doing? What's she crazy? Oh, I don't. What, what's all this stuff going on? Instead, make that time a pattern with him. A pattern with him. Yeah, you're run down. <laughs> of course you are because you're so busy. You're empty and you find yourself short with people, tired of people. Well, absolutely, because you're so busy. Next task, next thing versus being with the Lord, the source, the giver. And the interesting thing about that is Jesus showed a model for how to do this. He gave us an example for how to do the day alone. And we're talking about the day alone, time apart, time set aside for him instead of being busy, instead of being filled, instead of taking up time doing things that are not important. Time wasters, right? And so we see these patterns that Jesus has, spending time alone with the Father, praying, reflecting, then engaging people, performing miracles, sharing the gospel. Then again, alone time with the Father, praying, sharing the gospel, etc. And on, rinse and repeat. And so what we hear, see here is an example in Mark chapter 6. So Jesus had just sent the disciples out, the 12, and they were out doing some amazing things for the glory of God performing miracles, casting out demons, sharing the gospel message, all this wonderful stuff happening, all these tremendous things occurring. And Jesus knew this was the perfect time to reel them back in. And here in Mark 6, 30 through 31, if you're reading with me together today, it's in the NIV. He said, it says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him, all they had done and taught. Like, look at all these things we just accomplished. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. He's inviting them in to a time with him alone. For how many of us is that the reality of our lives? The day alone. They've just, think about this. Think about this for just a moment. The experience of the mountaintop high they just had. The amazing things God had done through them. What would we typically do? Let's go to the next experience. What's the next one? All right, let's go to the next town. Cast out demons. Share the gospel. See God move through us. But no, what does he do? He takes them aside and he says, come with me and rest a while. Come with me. Spend time with me. So when you ask yourself, why are you worn down? Why are you tired? Why are you sick of people? 
Have you spent that time alone with him? Have you, have you really been ministered to by him? Have you cast your anxieties on him, your fears, your doubts? And this is not unique. He didn't just do this or share this with his disciples. This was his trend. We see several scriptures here. Even in Mark 1.35, here Jesus, very early in the morning while it was still dark, he gets up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, and he prayed. He prayed. He got along with the Father. Then in Luke 6.12, same thing, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Sometimes he brought his disciples with him. Sometimes he was alone. He went and did that. It was a trend. Mark 6, 46, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, I got no mountainsides around here. What am I supposed to do? Okay, you don't have mountainsides. Find something else, right? Time and again, over and over, Jesus showed us the way. Now, can I... I'm, I'm making an assumption here today, okay? I'm making an assumption here. You're here today, one, because you follow Jesus and you want to continue to follow Jesus. Or two, you're curious about this Jesus. It's either one or the other, right? I would assume you're here or possibly your parents made you be here, which is a whole other thing. But we could talk about that later, okay? But I assume that you're here because you want to follow Jesus. Can I, can I, can I get an amen to that? You're here to follow Jesus? So if Jesus gave us an example of how we should walk, should we not try to follow that? Should we say we're basically Christians. Many Jesus is trying to be like our, our Lord, right? We're trying to be just like him. So shouldn't we follow his example? So Jesus showed us. And my first point is the day alone is time withdrawn from others to connect, refresh, Repent and be filled with the Lord. You can't be a follower of Jesus if you're not spending time with the Lord. Can I repeat that again? You cannot be a follower of Jesus if you're not spending time with the Lord. And listen, I'm not saying this is easy sometimes for us because we do live in a, in a unique culture where everything in the world is grabbing for your attention. Can I tell you something radical? Put your phone away. Put it away. If you're like me and you, you need it, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, like, I don't really have books anymore because I'm like, where did I leave them? Like, I lost them. I can't, so I, I use Kindle because it's easier for me to keep track of it, right? I'm like, I put that book, where did I leave that book at? Oh, man. But I typically don't lose. So what I do on my tablet is I turn off all, I don't have any notifications on my tablet. It's just to read the word. It's just to read books. And it keeps me from being distracted by a million other things. Put the phone away. Spend time with God. Spend time with him. And, and that's the thing is God is called. God wants to have communion with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. 
It's not that he doesn't. But are we listening? Are our ears open? Are our spiritual? Jesus would say, he who has ears, we hear, right? We listen. But many of us, we don't want to hear it. We don't want the word because we want to go on doing the same old busy thing that we've been doing our whole lives, but yet we're burnt out. We're tired. But he's calling you to himself. That's what he wants. He wants to have the life together with you. Revelations 12, 20, 22, 17 says, The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. If you're dry, and as a human, as a man or a woman, you're dry. You get dry. You run out. We don't have endless love like God does. Does that happen to you ever? I don't know. Maybe I'm just alone here where you seem to run out of love for people. Well, go to God. He has an endless source. He says, I'm the giver, the water of life. I, have, I, I don't have any limits, no limits whatsoever, but getting in connection with him, commuting with him, sitting with him, walking with him, just being in his presence alone with him, that alone time with the Lord. A couple real practical ways that I, that I see in scripture, and, and many of us know this and you probably heard similar, similar suggestions before. But sit at his feet like Mary and listen to what he says, right? Luke 10, 39, she had a sister called Mary. Remember Martha? Martha's us. We, that's how we live, just from one thing to the next, right? We're, we're going from one thing to the next, just never pausing. And Mary was sitting at his feet. And she, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listened to what he said. You know, we have the most prevalent ways nowadays to get to the Word of God. Free Bible apps. People are giving away Bibles at churches. You could get a Bible just about anywhere if you wanted to. But reading the Word of God, understanding the Word of God is a different thing. We have access, but many of us don't sit with it. And that's what he's, like, it said right here, it says, he listened to what, she listened to what he said. Do we listen to what God says in our word, in his word? Do we listen to what he says? Or do we ultimately just go back to what culture says? No, we want to listen to what God says. Listen, sit at his feet. And then another one, another practical way, shut the door. Shut the door behind you. Matthew 6, 6, Jesus tells us, but when you pray, Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Get alone with the Lord. Spend time with him. Do it alone. This is what we're called to, right? Time alone with God. That's what meaning a follower of Jesus. And Jesus showed us a pattern, all these different things. That's what we're called to. Amen? How many of you could, could use a little bit of time alone with the Lord right now? I know I could. And it's something that I want to keep doing. Keep pressing into him. Keep pressing into him. Because living this walk, right, if we're truly trying to live for Jesus, it's hard. 
carrying your cross is hard, is it not? Trying to, trying to be righteous in this culture is, is hard sometimes because you're, you're supposed to, to live like Christ, but it's, it's so hard. But how do you do that is by being alone with him, and that's what Jesus did. He spent that alone time with, with the Father. And if he did it and he's God, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? We need to spend time with him. We can't be apart from him. But you may ask and you may say, great and all, but what, what, what are some practical things? And, and I'll tell you, for me, I'm a practical guy because sometimes, I don't know. I think the hardest thing for me sometimes, and I don't know if anybody can relate to me today, sometimes the hardest thing is getting started. I don't know, is that, is, is anybody, can anybody relate? Sometimes it's just kind of like, what do I do? Like, like, how do I start? And I know one of the things I've used in different seasons, not all the time, is there's an app called Lectio 365. You can get it on your phone, on your device that doesn't have notifications so you're not interrupted. And it uses this model called pray. Pause, reflect, ask, and yield. And it uses a psalm in the morning and then a scripture at night. And you're able to read through it, and it gu it's guided. So if you're saying that's where you're at today, not all of you might be in that, and you might, maybe some of you have a devotional book already that you're using. Continue to use that, but if it's got dust collected after a while, you might need to find a new one, or you might need to just dust that one off and use that one. Now, another one that's been super helpful for me, helpful for me is the YouVersion Bible app. It has a guided prayer. And a lot of times, I don't even, I don't need the whole thing. I just need it to help me get started. And once I'm like, oh, this is great, and then I'm like off and running. I just needed a little bit of that. So those are some real practical, practical ways that have been useful for my times alone. So if you're saying, hey, I need a, something to kind of just get me going, maybe, it, maybe you just use it for a couple weeks, and then all of a sudden you're off on your own time alone with the Lord. It's super important. Super important that we spend time alone with God. I can't reiterate, I'll probably say it 55 more times today. And by the time we leave, you're like, yeah, it's real important for me to be alone with God. Yeah, it's real. It is. It is. So that's time alone, or that's the day alone with the Lord. The next one, and some of you are saying, well, that, Mike, that's not a problem, man. Time alone, that's, that's like the norm for me. I love being alone. It's, as a matter of fact, if I got the whole bed running thing on lockdown. I'm doing it the right way. And if I had my way, I would never leave my house. I would never leave my room. I'd be okay with that. Well, just like most things, too much of even a good thing becomes a bad thing, right? Don't we know that? Did you guys fall asleep on me? Are you still here with me? And that's the thing. This is what uh, Desiring God writer David Mathis had to say. He said, the healthy Christian life is neither wholly solitary nor wholly communal. We withdraw, like Jesus, to a desolate place to commune with God and then return to the bustle of daily tasks and the needs of others. We carve out a season for spiritual respite in some momentarily sacred space to feed our souls, enjoying God there in the stillness. Then we enter back in as light and bread to a hungry, harassed, and helpless world. So we're in that moment, but then we're to come back together. So it's the day alone 
the day together. So there's a rhythm of how we do this. It's almost like a dance. I won't dance because I don't want you guys to start laughing at me. So there's a rhythm of how we do this. We're alone, then we're together. And when I say together, what do I mean? As a church. And they are both necessary. They're both necessary. They're both important. They're both critical. This has nothing to do, because some of you are saying, well, I, I really like my time alone. And some of us also like saying, well, I like being around people. Some of us get energy by being alone. Some of us get energy by being with people. This is not an introvert or extrovert thing. This has nothing to do with that. This is everything with the way that God has created these rhythms. Engage him when you're alone. Be with the people of God together. They're both equally important. They're both super critical. You ever, and I, I probably used this line last year. You don't need anybody to do bad, right? You really don't. There's a title of a movie called I Can Do Bad All By Myself, right? And some of you are like, yep, that's definitely me. I don't need anybody. And sometimes that's the challenge when it's all you all the time. You don't have anybody else to speak into your life. So if you're your own sounding board and your own sanity check, well, I'd be cautious of that. Because many people, when they start going down that path, they no longer hear the voice of God. They hear the voice of themselves. And they've elevated themselves to the voice of God. And that's dangerous. God has created this community, the church, for a purpose. But God has also created the time alone. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 tells us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We need others to challenge and spur us. Many times we look at the word spur and we think that that's kind of a positive thing. You know what a spur is, right? It's what you use to hit, basically kick a horse to keep going. So would you like to have something kicked into your side to keep you going? Not necessarily, right? It's not always fun, but it's needed. And we're not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. All the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, it's hard. It's hard to live for Jesus. You can't do it alone. A good friend of mine would say there are no lone, Christ, lone ranger Christians. And many of you younger people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, lone ranger. No idea what that is. It was a movie in the 90s, 2000s, pretty bad movie with Johnny Depp. And, and it's, it's an old series. But basically this guy was by himself, supposedly, but he wasn't by himself. He had friends. The point is you cannot walk this walk alone. And as we just saw, we need each other to spur each other along. So the point number two is our days together shape us in our walk. And I get it, man. <laughs> how many, you guys heard how many years I've been a part of New Life, right? 30 years? So I've been around some people, okay? You know what I'm talking about. I've been around some people, some difficult people to deal with, some hard people to deal with, 
Some of you have pictures of me in your head right now. You're like, yeah, real difficult. Difficult people to be around and more difficult sometimes than those in the world, right? And I, I, like I said, I know that. I've been around some of them. I, maybe sometimes I've been that person. And you may say to yourself, I don't need the church. I don't need the church. I'm good all on my own. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't think so. I don't think so. Where would you be able to practice? So you get this time alone now, right? You're like, yes, Lord. Wow, God, you're so good. You're moving so mightily in my life, God. Wow. How can you know if it's really working if you don't have people to see if God's really moved in your life or not? Because guess what? You want to really know if you've grown in your faith? Get around some difficult people. Get around some challenging people. Get around some people that really stir you up, that really irk you. Then we'll see if you've really grown. We'll see if you've really been stretched. We'll see really how true that growth and maturity in your character has been. But, hey, the reality is, do you, do you have to be a Christian or be around Christians? I mean, Tony Evans puts it this way about being around Christians and being a part of the church. He says, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. He says, and they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone. But you don't have to go home to be married. But stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. And that's the truth. When you're not around fellow Christians, you are not going to know whether God has stretched you in areas. If you don't go into the world and engage with people, how are you going to know whether that time alone where God has been doing things in your life? And here's the thing. Listen, I want, I want to say this to you. Some of you are like, well, I come to Sunday service. I'm here on Sunday. I do my religious deed. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, that's what I've been raised to do. I'm supposed to come to church on Sunday, do my religious duty, show up, and then in, uh, maybe in the morning or in this case, uh, the afternoon, and tell people how busy I am. I got to go, right? I'm out of here. I'm too busy. I got to get to the next thing. But it's really more than that. It's a connection between believers, the common call of carrying our cross, of sharing the gospel, of pointing people to Jesus, of encouraging one another along this marathon. Let me, let me just... Let me encourage you with this. I don't know where I would be without people like Pastor Roger Cortez. I don't know where I'd be without people like Pastor Juan Sanchez. I don't know where I'd be without the impact of people in my life like Sylvia and Casper Zavala like Omar and Ann Calvillo and, and, and many, many others who have been an impact upon my life, upon my family, and others to, that I have not named that have been an impact on my life. Now notice I said the word impact. That doesn't mean it was always pleasant. It doesn't mean it was always fun. It doesn't mean it was always like this is so enjoyable. 
but there were moments that God shaped my life. And some of you today may, can think of people who maybe who hadn't, if they hadn't been involved in your life or hadn't spoken into your life, and maybe there were words you had no desire to hear. You didn't want to hear them. But they were true. You know, Scripture tells us, right? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens or one person sharpens another. That's conflict. When you think of sharpening, right? It's sharpening. It's banging against each other. And, it, and it's not always fun, but it produces to the glory of God. It produces for his glory. So while you may not enjoy it at the moment, and I'll tell you there have been times I definitively did not enjoy it at the moment. It was not fun whatsoever. I've had people in my life that have said things about me that were not true. And then I had to gather whether they were in my own heart and go before the Lord whether they were true or not. And then I've had people speak things about me with eyes of faith. I was just sharing with Casper earlier. I remember when Pastor Juan Sanchez told me, this is probably almost a decade ago at this point. He told me, Mike, it's not a matter of when you, if you preach, it's just a matter of when. And I thought he was crazy. This was a man who would get up to give announcements, hands shaking, because he couldn't get the words out. Where would I be today without that confidence in the Lord? Without a man speaking, seeing things in me that I didn't see in myself. Some of you have people that want to speak something into your life. But if you're not part of the church, how is that going to happen? How are you going to get that word of confidence in your life if all you do is come on a Sunday morning and you jet out the door? It's impossible. You need to be engaged. You need to be a part of this. The day together is so important. This time we have together, and I don't even want to call it the day together. I want to call it the days together. Better yet, the title of this series, Life Together. Because that's what it's supposed to be, church. It's not supposed to be this religious experience. It's supposed to be life together. Yes, mentoring. Yes, small groups. Yes, growing with each other. Yes, that. But it's life together. It's more than just church. It's more than, as you know, just a building. I'm not talking about a building. Some of you are from Cicero, you're like, we're living without a building right now. But you're still the church, right? You're still meeting together. You're still encouraging one another. You're still pouring into one another. I want to give you that word. I don't want you to, to leave out of here today thinking that it's just about a Sunday morning. It's just about a one-time-a-week thing. It's, it's consistent. And, and we see in the, in the very beginning of the church, we see their day together and what that kind of looked like and how we can model behind them our own lives today. One of my favorite texts is Acts 2, 42 through 47. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and of fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts every single day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What we're supposed to have, the world will want because they don't have it. But if we're not modeling it, the world won't want it because they'll say, you're just like us. You're no different. You, you, you kick the, the weak and the poor out, and you just want to have the supported strong together. But that's not what the church is. In church, we take everybody is welcome. I don't care what's going on in your life. So our day together is doing life together. It's really about that. And I know for some of us, this, it's hard. Because, let's be honest, some of us don't want people in our business, do we? Oh, man, we don't want people knowing what's going on in our lives. We don't want people knowing how truly jacked up we are. We're really jacked up, aren't we? Oh, if you only knew. If you only knew, and they might see that we're actually sinners. We're sinners. They might see that I'm actually a work in progress. That I'm, st that I'm still doing things that I shouldn't be doing. That I'm an imperfect person serving a perfect God. <laughs> so let me just say this to you. If you have flaws, if you have a back background story that's really dark, really dark, real, real dark that maybe you don't want many people to know or you're working a progress, don't worry. We all are. We all are. We are all here are really what we're, we're doing is called into a brotherhood of Jesus, a family of Jesus. Amen. So I don't care what your story is. I don't care how many times you've fallen down. I don't care how many times you left and returned to the church. I don't care what's going on. You belong here because God wants to use your life. God wants to minister through you. God wants to, you know, it's funny because people think sometimes when a person stands up on a stage and preaches the word of God that they have it all figured out. That can't be further from the truth. There's so many of us that God is still doing a work. And so the point I'm trying to tell you, listen, sometimes people say to me, like, I'll, tell the, I'll, I'll share my testimony with them, and they're like, wait, what? Guys, I grew up on the southwest side of Chicago. My parents were never married. Uh, my, I had family members who were heroin addicts. I, I've, I've, I've had a lot of challenges in my life. If there's any word that defines me, it'd probably be grit. But not because of me, but because of God. So what I'm calling you guys to is the fact that there's some of you, that's your same story. 
You've had a lot of brokenness in your life. You're a first-generation Christian who's taken all the darts from the enemy and trying to spare your children from those things. You're dealing with all kinds of other things. The residue of sin in your life, the things you're wrestling with, you are not alone. You are not alone. We're in this together. We're, we're doing it all together. We're trying to figure it out together. We're trying to encourage. We're trying to see things in other people. We're trying to call things out in them. We're trying to say, listen, man, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Some of you don't believe that. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He takes desperate situations and turns them into miracles. Many of you here today are a miracle. All of us really are. Amen? Do you not understand you were dead? You were dead in your sins. You've been brought to life. So all of us here are miracles because we've been taken from death to life in Christ. And really the church is supposed to be a celebration of sorts, right? Remembering and reminding each other of what he's done, what he has delivered us from, and what he will do in and through us all collectively. And it reminds me of a song. Uh, again, I've been, a, I've been around the church for a long time. Many of you will not know this song, and don't worry, I'm not going to sing it because that would not be good for anybody here. It's an oldie, but a goodie, and the lyrics should be up there. I'd almost love to sing it together, but it goes like this. We are here to celebrate his love. Joyfully, we sing his praises. Come gather round. Come dance and sing and feel the life of brotherhood. Come and see Jesus' brotherhood. Feel the power of redeeming love. Hearts are joined. Let's praise the Lord today. Come and see Jesus' brotherhood. Feel the power of redeeming love. Hearts are joined. Let's praise the Lord today. Amen.